Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What's up, nerds? It's basketball. Welcome to Horse, a basketball podcast about everything except for the wins and losses. My name is Mike Schubert, and I'm joined, as always, by my trusted co-host, the getting in the weight room to the Washington Mystics. It's Eric Silver. Eric, how's it going? Yeah, I just do push-ups everywhere. I'm doing push-ups right now. You just cannot see them. The fact that you are not breathing or your heart rate is not going up, it's incredible. Like, no heavy breathing here. Very smooth. You're a true professional podcaster and weight room attendee. That's me. (laughs) Weight room attendee, Eric Silver. That's how they know me. So we will talk about this particular beef between the Mystic and the Aces in the WNBA playoffs as part of Full Court Press. But before we get into that, we got to get suited up to discuss this beef. We got to put on our right protective equipment, and we're going to do that in the Teal Memorial Locker Room. Nah, she's not dead. You're getting closer and closer <laughs> to that meme that it's like, I didn't kill my husband. I just wear jewels like this. That's what you're sounding like now. She's be like, not Did dead. we kill Teal? She's not dead. I think we killed Teal. She's not dead. Is this Gone Girl? This sounds like Gone Girl now. <laughs> well, in Gone Girl, she wasn't dead. Gone Girl 2, <laughs> Teal is not dead. <laughs> you know who's definitely not dead, Eric? Jesus Christ. I feel like we've done this already and it's still ridiculous. It's our new patrons. It's our new patrons. So we have two new patrons. Shout out to Cody Nardone, as well as our new producer level patron. I am Adam Silver. <laughs> All right. Thanks for sponsoring, Adam Silver. Cool. Yeah, man. Yeah. So at, thanks, so, Dad. So Eric's you can just dad. text me if you want, but this is fine. Eric's dad, commissioner of the NBA, joins the producer level patron team of Brianne Wingate, Berger, Skylar Jorgensen, Gladiator Vader, Adam Hartwick, Ross Papa, Akano, Cody Powell, Salvatore Testa, Trust the Process, Hufflepuff Hillary, Smith Rose, Polly Burridge. I worked with Eric's dad, Kaylin Hates Square Dancing, and Jordan Wood, who all. Text me on my birthday. Yes, there it is. And give me (laughs) presents that aren't just Visa gift cards. Because you know me real well, Dad. Adam Silvered, my dad. But thank you to all of our patrons. You help us do many fun things here at the Horse Podcast. And if you want to join this team, you can get sweet bonus content access as well at patreon.com slash horse hoops. But we also have some cool things in the form of sponsorship, Eric. If only some of these sponsors could help me with my cybersecurity, that would be so great. It is so funny that you mentioned that completely <laughs> unprompted because today's sponsor is Dashlane. Oh, nice, good. Dashlane is a password management app that keeps all of your online information safe, secure, and easy to use. Dashlane remembers your passwords so you don't have to. I don't, it's no longer on you. I hate remembering them. I've been moving this week, and it's very annoying because I have to log into all of the things that I had on auto pay that I logged into once. So mm. my electricity bill, my Wi-Fi bill at the old place, all this stuff. And they're like, what's your password from a year ago? It's like, dog, come on, man. Well, Dashlane, make sure that the lights and gas stay in your new apartment. It's more that I want the old ones to go away. <laughs> I don't want to pay for you my new both. tenant stuff. 
<laughs> well, Dashlane seamlessly autofills all of your login information, syncing automatically across your computer, your phone, and your tablet. It even stores payment details. Nice. All of these things. As a special offer to all of the horse heads out there, mm-hmm. they're offering a 30-day free trial of Dashlane Premium, which includes a VPN, dark web monitoring, and more. And I don't know what those are, but they sound good. I know what VPN is, and I don't know what dark web is. I just know that it exists, and that's what scares that's me good. and why I like Dashlane. <laughs> the fact, if you like uh, not knowing what the dark web is, but having someone else monitor it for you, you can use the code HORSE at checkout to save 10% off of your premium subscription. Use it for your personal stuff. Use it for work. I remember my old job made me have a bunch of different passwords that I didn't get to set. This is where Dashlane can help. So yeah, Dashlane.com slash horse. And finally, the last thing we got to discuss before we can leave the Teal Memorial locker room is the Boston Live show coming up Thursday, October 10th. There's going to be all of your multitude hosts getting involved in the mix, crossover between shows. It's going to be very exciting. We'll head to a bar after the show and get to meet everybody. Tickets are going fast, and they're at multitude.production slash live. We're going to be in person, so you should come see us. Mm-hmm. You can finally see that Eric is, in fact, seven feet, two inches tall. And you, that will make sense later in the episode. Yeah. I can dunk. I'm just going to dunk for 20 minutes. That's going to be my segment. That's Eric's segment. And you know what? It's great. We've done a dress rehearsal and it was perfect. It's true. Jalen Brown's going to be there. Don't promise these things. (laughs) Jalen Brown might be there. See us in the human flesh at multitude.production slash live. And with that, we are all wrapped up in the locker room and we are ready to approach the episode, which is going to have a little bit of a different format. We got two wonderful interviews for this episode of Horse, the first of which is with Jordan Liggins from The Ringer. We talked about the WNBA playoffs, and then we spoke with Jody Avergan, the head of ESPN's 30 for 30 podcasts, and just talked about documentaries as a whole, specifically the ones that he works on, basketball, things beyond that, and that will take up the segments that are usually that actually happened and three on three. I don't want to say too much, but we do surprise Jody with content from his past. Yes. And he has to explain what he's doing there. We use hard-hitting journalism to put a very important person on the spot, (laughs) and it worked out beautifully. (laughs) So get hyped. The two interviews are incredible. And let's go to the first one with Jordan. So, Eric, for this very special edition of Full Court Press. Get it? Like like the the news? news? We'll be talking about incredible moments that have happened recently in basketball, and that's the WNBA playoffs, which have been absolutely wild and bonkers in the best way. So to fully grasp how wonderful these playoffs have been, we have reached out and brought on Jordan Liggins, who's a fact checker and writer over at The Ringer. So Jordan, how's it going? It's going great. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks so much for coming on. Do you get it that Full Court Press is like the news? Because I don't get it. Like the press, like the press secretary. See, I've done it. Oh, I see. <laughs> like so hearing, hearing someone else say it to me, I understand it better. Thank you. So you've been covering the WNBA playoffs recently for The Ringer and put together some great articles. There have been so many fun moments from these playoffs so far, whether it's De'Erica Hamby's buzzer beater shot that didn't make sense, but it's okay because it went in because we're going to ignore that it was a not smart decision, but it was okay because <laughs> it, it worked terrible out. terrible shot, but it went in. So we're, <laughs> yes, we ignore all of that. You can't argue. <laughs> it was the WNBA version of the Damian Lillard, Paul George saying, that's a bad shot. Be like, well, no, it wasn't, Paul, because it yeah, went in. Yeah, because it so. went in. Exactly. <laughs> if she would have missed it, she would have never slept. Um, right. It was way too much time left on the clock. 
but she made it, so it's fine. <laughs> it's James Harden approved, which shows mm. that it was a terrible shot. Yes. Nobody should be taking it. <laughs> so aside from the the Hamby ridiculous shot, has there been one moment or one particular aspect of these playoffs that you have enjoyed the most or thought has been the most fun? I think the matchups have been incredible. Not only the team matchups, but the one-on-one matchups. I really enjoyed the Lynx and Storm game. I think Jordan Canada yes. came out and really just showed her hand, showed everything that she has in her bag. Not only is she a defensive player, you know, she led the league and her team in steals, but she was also just attacking and the guard matchup there was so incredible. She won. Odyssey Sims only had one point and she lost. So it was just like, if you have a big game, especially how the WNBA playoffs work, single elimination, you have to show up or you go home. So that aspect of it kind of going... March Madness-esque really allows players to dig deep. And that's been so fun to watch this whole playoffs. It's a weird struggle because part of me wants the WNBA playoffs to last longer. But then mm-hmm. the other half of me loves that the first two rounds are just one and done. It is it is so hard. Right. I think an ideal world would be first round being one and done and then maybe round two being best of three. And then you've got best of five of the semis and then make the finals best of seven. Then you've got like each round increasing. I think that'd be fun. But yeah, the one and done stuff is ridiculous, especially for upset purposes. It really raises the stakes. The Sparks got upset in round two yes they won round two um and then they just got swept right by the sun because Derek Fisher's an idiot yes so I was at that game (laughs) okay for context for everyone that doesn't know Derek Fisher who used to coach my beloved New York Knicks for like half a year (laughs) and he was strong choice so bad got a job as the coach of the LA Sparks just because he was on the Lakers and was good and then in game three for some reason didn't play any of his starters in the fourth quarter it was really bad so like I said I was at that game at Cal State Long Beach which is a whole nother conversation that they had to play at Cal State Long Beach instead of the Staples Center where they've had a 15 and two record at home they were unstoppable in the staples and to take them out of that environment especially for an elimination game was a whole nother character in the story but I was sitting there and I'm like is Candace Parker hurt like is she should she have a towel over her shoulder is there ice on her shoulder or just like trying to find an answer to why she was not on the floor and to hear the post game where he's like I was just trying to find energy It's like, come on. Like, you don't do that (laughs) when you're down. Like, two. I was very disappointed and also not surprised because he didn't deserve that job. (laughs) I love that Jackie McMullen went on the jump the next day and called him out. I I don't understand what you're saying. What show is it called? Jackie McMullen went on the jump and (laughs) just crashed the dude. And I love it because you shouldn't be getting preferential treatment just because you worked at the Lakers. Clearly, like it's not it's not rocket science to be like, oh, Candace Parker's on my team. I wonder if I should play Candace Parker like you have Candace Parker on your team. Exactly. And all star Chelsea Gray. Like and even when he got hired, I was already frustrated because the Sparks didn't need a coach change. Like they were champions like not that long ago. They've been to the playoffs. They have a winning record. So it wasn't like, oh, he's going to come and save this team. Like it didn't need any of that. So 
now you're just coming and mixing things up when it didn't even need to be. I'm sorry you got Nick's coaching stink all over <laughs> your team. I, that must be real bad. <laughs> it's because it's not like he was good on the Knicks either. He had a horrible season and he was trying to hook up with our players' girlfriends. Yeah. Like, why would you hire the man? For especially the WNBA. Like it, I was like, oh, right? kind of uh, sketchy from the jump. <laughs> listen, now you have multiple teams in the WNBA who are actively trying to get away from the Knicks. You have the Spark. And then you have uh, the Liberty who are just like, hey, I don't want to deal with James Dolan. I will go to White Plains. Yeah. <laughs> they ran away. Yeah, they ran away and got last place. Go Liberty. Thanks for being bad. Tickets are cheap. I've gone to a bunch of games. But you get the number one pick. <laughs> they do have the number one pick now, so it'll yeah. be good, which makes it exciting because now maybe the Liberty will be good and I go to playoffs. It's almost like getting away from James Dolan gives you the number one pick. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, I'm just, it's science. I don't, Getting away from I don't know what Stolen to say. Makes you the worst team in the league. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think it's causation correlation. I don't know. The Knicks, I, the Knicks don't have a number one pick. I don't know. RJ Barrett. I'm just using the evidence. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> to move on to stuff that is happier and more fun, there was some beef in this most recent round of the playoffs. And at Horse, we love a good beef. And it was between Liz Cambage and the entirety of the Washington Mystics. Because Liz. <laughs> Liz Cambage came out and freaking balled out in game three. And afterwards, she said, quote, and she is Australian, but we've been ridiculed for our Australian accent. So Mike is going to do it So I will do my best with it. (laughs) I just kept getting in. in (laughs) I just kept getting inside. They have small forwards guarding me. They can't handle it. Get in the weight room and get out of the post. (laughs) Perfect. You're not like, there. Oh my gosh. She actually, yes, in the booth behind this closet is Liz. Liz Cambage, come on out. All right, hold on. We got to take a second for Liz to walk out of the studio. I'm going to edit this out. <laughs> she rifled off this quote, and Natasha Cloud and the Mystics did not take kind to it. Immediately put up on her Instagram story her doing push ups and saying, We'll show you the weight room. And then after they won the game last night, which was one of the most stressful basketball games I've ever watched. <laughs> After the game, Natasha Cloud goes to center court and starts doing push-ups in the middle of the team huddle. It was very good. Yes, as the camera flashes to Liz Cambage in tears. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, the parallels. But Liz is one of my favorite players because she is the pettiest. And she will always talk trash and always stand up for herself. She knows how great she is. She knows that she is a force to be reckoned with. And the Mystics starting center was only 6'2". So she knew, I'm 6'8", you guys can't guard me. It's barbecue chicken in the post yes, every yes. single time. That's how they got there. So right. she knew that, and she knew that that was going to fire them up. But she did her job, and the Aces just, I mean, Asia didn't show up yesterday. She no, was a she ghost. Didn't. I don't know. They needed Kelsey Plum. Mm-hmm. They needed... Dear Hamby, they need everybody to show up for them to be their best. And they just fell short. The fact that you said barbecue chicken in colloquial, just like flowing <laughs> as part of your language, it, I think qualifies you to answer this question for me. What do you think is the biggest difference between beefs in the WNBA with the NBA? Mm. I don't want to say that one is better than the other, but they feel very distinctly different. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I think the WNBA is definitely getting more traction. It's getting more popular just in this last season, I feel like. And I think a lot of the beefs have 
centered around Liz. <laughs> one of my, my favorite <laughs> they really ones. Have. I know. One of my favorite ones, which I was at this game as well, the Sparks game with Kalani Brown, rookie from Baylor. And she had really long twists. Like her hair was down past her butt. And Kalani Brown is six seven, I think. Six she's just as tall as Liz. Mm-hmm. and she tries to do a post move her hair swings around hits liz in the face liz grabs <laughs> it and she like pulls it and then it's like a technical everyone's yelling and then goes on twitter of course liz saying i know you guys are trying to look cute but tie that shit up and it's <laughs> amazing it's just so good liz at her top pettiness so the NBA, of course, is not gonna tweet about each other's hair, but sure. <laughs> it's just the the little things that you know, post players going at it. It's amazing. I, I love it. I'm here for it all. Beef, <laughs> NBA, WNBA. I love it all. <laughs> it's great. The hair thing is an interesting element because in last night's game between the Aces and the Mystics, there was a point where someone ran into Liz Cambage and she moved her elbow and it hit the girl's ponytail bun on top of her yeah. hair and the refs had to keep replaying it to see if this is a flagrant foul or not and then both of the broadcasters are trying to argue they're like well she hit her ponytail which is attached <laughs> to her head but that's not her head i don't think it should count and then i forget who one of the broadcasters was. she used to play in the image she's like i got hit in the ponytail before it's fine like it happens it's part of the game you get hit in the hair this isn't a foul and they eventually didn't call it but i i just love that it took so much longer to replay if that was a flagrant foul because there's a whole new element to this version of basketball than the men. I mean, I guess like if Kobe White's big fro gets in the mix, that could happen. Or Jared Allen's Great afro hair. could happen too. But it was so funny that that was a discussion. It was like, where does the head end and the hair begin? And it's just interesting, you know, just talking about Liz and Brittany Griner as well. They are kind of you know, the tallest players in the WNBA. And they've always talked about how they're kind of the center of attention in a bad way, especially against referees. Um, You know, Brittany Griner, the whole thing earlier in the season where there was a fight and people got suspended and she went on record basically saying, you know, this league isn't fair. They don't treat me fairly. They don't call things on me. They hack me. And I don't know if I want to play in the WNBA anymore. If they're not going to protect me as a post Mm -hmm. player. And so I think just that whole reviewing session with Christy Tolliver's ponytail, Liz Cambage, she kind of walked away laughing because it's like, you guys are always going to review stuff on me. It's always going to seem like a flagrant foul because I'm so much bigger than everybody else. So that's kind of an underlying dialogue with a lot of the post players in this league. Interesting. Yeah, I think it's something that that Shaq even ran into when he was Mm -hmm. in the NBA was just originally they would just call everything a foul on him. And it's just, look, I'm seven foot two and enormous. It's not that I'm fouling people or not getting fouled. I'm just so much bigger and stronger than everybody else. So I think I have the same problem. (laughs) (laughs) Just too strong. I just I'm too big. I'm too strong. I'm too tall. I dunk too much in my regular life. (laughs) People just always throw in fouls on me. I wanted to get your thoughts on this too because I remember when it came out that Elena Deladon shot 50% from the field, 40% from three, 90% from the free throw line. Most of the comments on social media, everyone's like, oh yeah, that's really nice. Like, that's incredible. She's amazing. What's really cool is all the NBA players tweeting out support that she's awesome. And then you have like dude bros commenting, oh, they play with a smaller ball, which... 
is such a wild argument. So <laughs> how do you feel about like the perception of the league? Do you think that that'll turn around? Are we always going to have these like LA fitness bros thinking they can take on <laughs> Skylar Diggins? <laughs> yes, we will always have that. That is just something that women's basketball just can't control. Um, I've played basketball since I was five and I have that every single time I walk in the gym. Liz Cambage with me, and people would still <laughs> think that they can just beat us because we're women. On those comments, you're always going to have the kitchen comments. You're always going to have people just being absurdly obnoxious. But I think of it more of the people that are basketball fans. Like, if you love True. basketball, you love men's basketball, you love women's basketball, you love youth basketball, overseas basketball. It doesn't matter. The sport is perfect and beautiful and the best mm -hmm. on this earth so yes. if you are just a fan of the sport i think that's where we get the most respect and it also helps that the nba players you know a lot of people a lot of nba players are at that game last night and that was yeah. great lebron was courtside anthony davis was courtside yes that's huge kuzma draymond green i forgot his name draymond green <laughs> and um you know them tweeting out and being like this is cool just allows yeah. the especially the la fitness bros to be like oh wait LeBron thinks this is cool. Maybe it is cool. Like maybe if I, I can actually give it a chance. And I just think that it just starts a conversation. That's all that women's basketball ever wants. Just a chance. Like watch us and see how we will still get buckets on you. And then for the smaller ball comment, I've actually, <laughs> I, I've heard lower the rim. I've heard Ugh. that we're shorter, that we're smaller, but a smaller ball, like, that's literally just like science. Our hands aren't big and big for right. <laughs> like I'm sorry, it doesn't matter. The ball still goes in the hoop. Like we could play with a tennis ball. Like you know, we would still be you because we're skilled. So it's that is ridiculous. I've never heard of that before. Yeah, it's they were trying to say like, oh, because the rim is the same size. If the ball is smaller, it's easier to make oh, shots. Blah blah blah. But God. it's so dumb because that that's the same thing as like. The whole point of the ball being smaller is so you can do better ball handling moves and make things look more exciting. So if you're going to say lower the rims on one end, but then also complain that the ball is too small, it's like you can't say both things. No. Like I'm on I'm on team Diana Taurasi, which is keep the rims at the same height because then yeah. you can just play wherever. Otherwise, you'd have to like find a women's outdoor court and that would be a whole thing. Oh, I don't like that. No, no. That whole argument is um, I think it was NECA Abumake and she said that. It's kind of the most disrespectful comment because mm -hmm. we practice, especially the pro players, that's all that they know. So to say lower right. the rim, you have to change your all your game, everything. everything that you've learned up until this point to be more entertaining for somebody else. Like that doesn't make any sense to me. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And that would change your form. That would change. Yeah, maybe you could dunk. More people could dunk. But everything else would just be off <laughs> it right. would, it yeah. would be less entertaining because nobody would be making anything. So yep. I, I just, yeah, 
I don't like that comment either. <laughs> yeah. Listen, it's tough. I mean, you'd like to think that one really sick dime from Sue Bird is going to like change institutional sexism. But like, you know, like she, I don't know. Just, as at least, <laughs> just like one between the legs pass. They're like, you know what? Women should be paid the same amount as men. You're right. Jordan, thank you so much for joining on. Thanks for talking about the WNBA playoffs with us. We'll see how these finals go between the Mystics and the Sun. If you're ever in New York, come through and we'll we'll destroy some LA Fitness Bros. Uh, <laughs> three true. on three meet you and Eric and again I'm seven foot two and I can dunk <laughs> so hard you you have not seen me during the Skype call so, <laughs> so you can't deny it yeah. but seriously thanks so much and we look forward to seeing more things that you write on the ringer and we're excited to see how the rest of these playoffs go great thank you so much for having me I love you guys' podcast so keep doing oh. great work and talking about the beautiful sport of basketball and now we're going to talk to Jody Avergan, the host and senior producer of 30 for 30 Podcasts. You have experience with making incredible audio documentaries for the 30 for 30 podcast series, a couple of which have been about basketball. Mm -hmm. The first one being Hoodies Up sure. about the Miami Heat standing up for the Trayvon Martin situation, which biasedly is my favorite of the podcast series. But also recently you released The Sterling Affairs, which was a five part series mm -hmm. about the terror that is slash was Donald Sterling running and owning the Clippers. That's been a bit of a bombshell. I'm sure you've yeah. tons of questions about this, but how does it feel now to kind of be at least a month removed from that whole circus of making that, posting it, putting yeah. it up? Yeah, that was a five-part series. Ramona Shelburne hosted it and reported it. You know, that was a bear to put together, both because it's an ambitious story and because it required, you know, collaboration with someone else at ESPN and a bunch of moving parts and so and, you know, sensitive subjects. So it was just like a grind and a ton of work, like I think this stuff is. I mean, everything right. is really this stuff is hard to do. But, you know, I was like a year and a half, almost two years since we sort of first started talking about this. And certainly Ramona has had this idea in her head since the moment those tapes broke mm -hmm. of like, oh, there's a big story here. In terms of what it's been like since we put it out, I mean, one of the most satisfying things is when you work on something like that over that many parts, you know, and over 30 year span, you know, you have a ton of little interesting side stories and tidbits and just little moments along the way. And you sort of walk around with your little personal favorite collection of those. Mm -hmm. And then you put it out in the world and you have a hunch like, oh, yeah, everyone's going to pick up on this thing and they're going to like that little tidbit. And sometimes they do, but then sometimes they pick up on other stuff. And so sort of watching like which of the storylines that people have sort of latched onto and which ones they didn't and how that compares with my little hit list has been has been fun and interesting. And that's kind of one of the satisfying things of doing creative work is you just let other people then have at it. One of those tidbits is actually what made me reach out to you yeah. is because I was tweeting at someone. One thing that I mentioned was it terrified me how much not only Donald Sterling had the parallels to Donald Trump, but sure. how much he talked like him and sounded like him and act like him. And then you liked the tweet and I was like, oh, I'm asking Jody to be yeah, on, right, on fair enough. horse. Well, um, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a serial tweet liker. Um, <laughs> I like a lot of tweets though. That was a good one. I remember that one. Um, but look, the Donald Trump thing is interesting because it was obviously not lost on us as we were making this. And we're making a story about a slumlord named Donald mm -hmm. who gets right. caught on tape saying awful things. And, you know, there's a fundamental question of what, how do we hold this person accountable and why has this person not been held accountable? Right. So, you know, and I will say in a larger sense, I really like doing work that is like contained within a story and then has resonance to, you know, 
current times. Right, I mean, that's yeah. one of my most satisfying things just about watching a documentary is like you're in this moment, but then you do all this work and you're like, oh, wow, this teaches me a lot about this moment right now. And I think it's always for anyone who's doing documentary work, there's always that question of like, do I connect the dots? Yeah. Right. And do I say, hey, this guy's just like Donald Trump. Right. And my instinct is always no. My instinct is always like it's walk people right up to that. And then it's more satisfying to let them make that connection. You don't have to pop out of the story and kind of draw that connection and hold people's hands and trust that listeners are going to get that. With this, though, we reached a moment, and it was relatively late, where we realized that Donald Sterling himself had made that connection. And that yeah. gave us then permission to do that. And so we mention it only in the context of the fact that Donald Sterling was walking around in the late 80s, billing himself as the Donald Trump of the West Coast. Right. Uh, and so then you get permission to connect that dot because it is part of the story itself. But then all that other stuff of, wow, they really do sound similar or the way that mm. they treat people around them or even that little tidbit of someone says... Donald Sterling would take advice from anyone and he would just kind of listen to the last person who gave him advice and and that would be his opinion. And I'm like sitting there, you know, I'm <laughs> right. reading a Maggie Haberman article about exactly the, how Donald Trump operates the same way. And so I think there's a lot of stuff here about just how these kinds of powerful men of a certain age operate. Yeah. And we've had to spend a lot of time trying to figure those men out yeah. lately. Totally. That magazine cover it's was remarkable. unreal. Yeah. It's, it's almost like, I mean, there was that magazine cover. Donald Sterling was working so hard to get a puff piece about him. The description was Donald Trump of the West. Yeah. And like he invoked it and this planted that. Yeah. And it was like, there's a literal sign telling you, hey, you need to investigate this. Yeah. And it was <laughs> right. <laughs> though, at, though at that time, right, at that, that, time, was, that was that was a compliment yeah. or, you know, for certain people, you know, and I think the same questions of Donald Sterling, like why weren't people asking hard questions over right. the course of 20 years um, are the same ones you can ask of Trump. And then you reach a sort of reckoning moment. Uh, it was relatively late in the game that we decided, and I kind of remember writing an email to Roman and Julia Henderson, who was a huge part of this, um, and saying, like, I think we should just, like, describe that image for people. We should pause on that moment and sort of describe that magazine yeah. cover. And that was, like, I yes. think in pickups. It was, like, two weeks before it went out. We kind of added that in. But I think lingering on And then we sent someone to the library in Santa Monica to find the actual image because I was like, I want to be able to tweet this out and mm -hmm. I think people will get a kick out of actually seeing this. And so we had to go hunt it down because California Magazine folded in 1991. And <laughs> California Magazine sounds fake. It sounds Even fake. when you were saying yeah. it, I'm just like, this whole thing is a plan. Yeah. This yeah. entire yeah. production yeah. is a plan. But yeah, that was, that's it. I mean, that is clearly one of the through lines and full of all these amazing tidbits. Yeah. You mentioned about just 30 for 30 podcast the series as itself. It's something with taking a story about sports and being able to relate it to something outside of sports is something yeah. that we here think is important is that anybody can like sports. You don't have to just be a dude bro sports head and anyone can like the story of sports and just some of the other podcasts that are out there on the feed like the the one that comes to mind is the uh, back pass about the women's soccer league yep. it's bigger than just oh this is a sports league that didn't work out i think that what you've done in the podcast with some of these stories it's nice where you can open up the question about things outside of sports totally. and show that it's bigger than that so. i think that's Something that 30 for 30, the documentary series, which is now in its 10th year, has done. And we've, in a sense, just tried to pick up on that. And the big question for any 30 for 30 film or, or audio is so what? And that's an interesting story. But what does it tell us? What does it tell us about the larger world? What was the inflection point that was contained within this story? Uh, you know, it's a contained story that teaches us larger lessons is really the heart of it. Never, you know, we get pitches all the time that's like, this guy was really good or that game was crazy. And it's like, 
well, so what? What cool. does it actually? Yeah. What does it actually teach us? So you work on these stories that have obviously the bigger meanings. Or have there ever been a story that either you would love to have made if possible, or something that if you had no restrictions and you didn't have to worry about, it's like, look, I would just love to make a documentary about this because I'm obsessed with it, even if it doesn't fit the bill. Yeah. I, well, I mean, I mean, one answer to your question is just like non-sports stuff. Mm. I'm interested in. You know, sure. I mean, I have made. In the past, I've done reporting on music and all that stuff. You know, I will say, like, I have found and I believe that sports is like, a, as you you were saying, a really expansive lens. Like, I kind of feel there almost isn't any story you can't tell through a sports mm-hmm. lens. I mean, we've done stories about, you know, book publishing and we've done stories right. about housing discrimination and we've done stories about uh, police violence and they've all fallen under our sports mm-hmm. lens. So, you know, I don't feel restricted at all. You know, there's some like films that have come out where I'm like, oh man, I would have loved to get a crack at that. I mean, I, you know, the, the 30 for 30, a, a film recently came out about the hot dog eating contest, yeah. Kobayashi oh, yes. versus Chestnut. That was one we had originally bandied about as a podcast. And I mean, that's one of the cool things about us is we're a unified group. And so a lot of times ideas will come in and we'll talk about, is this best done as a podcast or a film or whatever? Mm-hmm. But that was one that I was like trying to get my claws on. And then, you know, I understood why. And I was like, oh, you know, I think we're going to make this a film. And I was like, ah. Yeah, you, you know, want to watch just... that gross yes. eating. The, the, don't, the... don't do dare for smirch. <laughs> I watch it every Look, year. It's it amazing. Is, and it's, it's remarkable. It is yeah. entertaining. It is disgusting. Yeah. I a wanted to force bun. people to listen to <laughs> the eating. That was like my main thing. In addition to knowing that that was just a great story, I was like, we could have a lot of fun with the sound. Now, the filmmaker who made it did an amazing job. And there were uh, and I actually did an interview with her where we talked a lot about like the gross factor and where do you like how far she pushed that line because there's like some slow motion stuff and and she said that at one of the screenings actually someone like like a woman like partway through I think Kobayashi was like eating cow brains or something oh, and nice. she Real. and and a woman oh, nice. and a woman <laughs> was just uh, and a woman was just like. This is just too much. He got up and walked out. And I was like, Hot dogs I'll do. Not actual cow brains, no mail. That's amazing. Uh, uh, But talking about podcast versus film, in one of the Donald Sterling Plus episodes, you said that something you really enjoyed about the series is that with some of the audio clips and it being a podcast versus film is that you think that the audio can convey more emotion. Is that something that you feel is true as a whole as opposed to just specifically the Sterling stuff? I think so. And that's not to say that film can't convey emotion, but I think, you know, I think there's an adage in audio that is sort of cliche, but I actually think it's true that, you know, podcasts are intimate and audio is intimate. It is true. I mean, you know, we're a medium that kind of lives with you as you're doing other stuff. And so I think that means it weds its way into the nooks and crannies of your life. And I think there's an intimacy there. And then I think when you're trying to really flesh out characters, you can take advantage of that. You know, as I said, in the episode you're referring to, Shelley Sterling is such a fascinating character. And I think Mm -hmm. we learn as much from her emotion in her voice and like the pauses that she takes and the way she sort of has a tone in her voice than we do from you know her actions and the sort of things we learn about her along the way and i do think audio you need that in order to make good audio and in film there's sometimes other ways to get at that but it's like you're sort of flying without a net a little bit in audio and so it's a little bit of a challenge when you've decided to do sports stories because a lot of times you know athletes who are obviously at the heart of a lot of sports stories, A, not all of them are great talkers. Like we ask, we, we ask people who participate in our film, in our podcast, to do a lot of work. They have to tell a story and sort of take us there and carry a story. And then they have to also then kind of do that story again 
through an emotional lens and like talk about the emotional journey. That's a lot right. to ask of someone. Mm -hmm. Whereas in film, you know, you could have someone who's not a great talker, but then you have great visuals or you have someone who's a great storyteller and you can do score, you know, with us, there's fewer tools, but like, and so when you go to athletes, they're often not great talkers. And then often like athletes are just used to a kind of interview where it's like, someone's going to roll in with a camera crew. We're going to do six minutes. I'm going to say my cliches and we're going to mm -hmm. move on. And we're like, no, no, no. We would like three hours. Yeah. For the first interview. And yeah. then we're probably going to come back for like two more three hour interviews. Mm -hmm. That'd be really nice. You know, we're going to really push you and like, it'd be great if you could be super emotional and be in that moment and all that stuff. So that can be a challenge given the kinds of stories we're trying to tell. Yeah. I think that's why Blake Griffin was so, yeah. not like, I don't want to say luckily like at all, but it's really amazing that someone who was put in such an uncomfortable situation was able to like smartly, and I, I was riveted by everything that he was yeah. saying, talking about all the stuff that Donald Sterling put him through from being the number one pick. Just, he was so emotional. Yeah. Like I connected and with him so much. And he's a really thoughtful person. So that yeah. helps, right? Yeah, there's a couple things. I mean, one, he and Ramona, you know, have a relationship. Ramona covered him for a long time. He's been cultivating that. So, and, like, you can hear that. Like, you can hear when a reporter has worked their sources, when a reporter has built that level of trust, you know, that comes through. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing, in, in one of the exchanges with, with Blake in the, in the piece, I don't know if you caught this but they're talking about the donald sterling white party which that he yes was which are, oh my god. terrifying and I, that's I oh my god yeah. that made my my and, whole body cringe because i couldn't look away because yeah. it's just in my ears yeah. and there's a but there's a moment where ramona actually has pulled out her phone and like played video of a white party that blake is at for him and that's a trick we use a lot is we'll show someone a visual and ask them to then like describe it or sort of trigger it in that way i think a lot of podcasters do that but we actually kept the little exchange where you can pick up on like the end of the video that ramona's showing him and then she goes so what do you think when you're watching that and that's where i think he gives one of his best answers where yeah. he just kind of like takes you there emotionally yeah it's funny you mentioned that because we've done the same thing <laughs> eric found this gem and we just want to know we know this is a podcast but what are your oh, thoughts boy. on oh boy wow there we go <laughs> so <laughs> this right. is uh, so week 8 highlights this. of Major League Ultimate Old Major League oh. Ultimate now you catch. dove you caught it and then you shake the guy's hand uh, afterwards did you pick up on that was, nice. so was that out of uh, courtesy or is that out of haha -ha? okay <laughs> <laughs> so well look I will do uh, the podcast host thing of give a little context for what the fuck we're talking about here. Uh, I, will do so, the, I will do the horse podcast yeah. thing of we will put a link to this video on the Fair website enough. so you understand um, what is happening. So I'm, I'm one of these people who take Ultimate Frisbee way too seriously. Um, you know, it was my main sport through high school and college and then Believe it or not, I ended up playing pro ultimate awesome. and uh, one of uh, a highlight of mine ended up on sports center. Uh, I think it was number six or something. <laughs> that and that's when I got hired. hired at no, this was before. I didn't even mention that in my interview at ESPN. I oh, didn't. that should have been at the top. Uh, I know, seriously. <laughs> but I would um, put that on my resume, yeah, like know, number six on sports um, center top 10. <laughs> April, week of April 10th. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, we, we, do, we do not have to talk about this too much, but you know, oh, one, one, oh, one, you're one, on horse. Yeah. We're talking Fair about it. It's a Basketball. <laughs> yes, yes, it's a basketball card. So we're clearly going to talk about ultra frisbee highlights from 2015. Uh, <laughs> I think you just got to the meat of our yeah, podcast. You've, you've um, done it. You've hit the core. It was a, of all the things I've done on the ultimate field, that one was like particularly weird and wonky. It's like mm -hmm. one of those classic plays where like everything goes wrong and then someone pulls something out of their ass at the end that like, <laughs> and then that happens to be a highlight. Uh, a lot of highlights are often that way, right? I mean, I think like I've played a lot of sports, coached a lot of sports, and like, you know, one of the things I think about is like, if you have to say, hey, nice play, like something went wrong. It meant someone had to do something heroic <laughs> as opposed to, you know, everything went according to plan and things were relatively easy. And that was one of those where it's just like someone got a D on me and then I like yeah. pulled a 
score out of my ass at the end. Um, but it made highlights, and it was a it was a fun little moment to. And yeah, I get to walk around saying I was on Sports Center top ten. Very I, rare feat. I have a follow up question, which is kind of about basketball, but I need to know more about the handshake at the end. So you yes. know, if he d's it and you grab, you pull it down and you get the touchdown. I, it's been so long since I played Ultimate Frisbee. Is it called a touchdown? Yeah, it's our score. This is score. Yeah, you can get it. And then you reach out, and you reach to shake his hand. Yeah, and he tries to he tries to look you off, and then he's like, "Oh no, you were actually no." He didn't nice. try to look. I know that guy. Uh, <laughs> I, that guy is a way better athlete than me. He got <laughs> he got the d. So that was mostly like. Me acknowledging to him that he did his job, yeah, uh, right. and had gotten the D, and then like some fluky stuff happened after that. But let me, what, what, what should I say here? I do not want that to give a false impression about the level of humility and sportsmanship that I bring to every <laughs> uh, competitive uh, interaction because I often, um, I don't, you know, I don't love this side of myself, but I often get a little heated. But that yeah. was a, that was a moment of uh, magnanimity that I uh, that happened to be caught on film. No, it was amazing. <laughs> I do the same thing. I would like to think oh of myself God. as a nice person, yeah. except for within the lines of a basketball yeah. court. I yeah. am the war. I'm the worst person. Mike's yeah. been asked to take it outside multiple times. Yes. Three different times. Wow. I've respectfully declined. Every <laughs> uh, but it has happened. Sure. Yeah. So we really like ultimate frisbee as well. I played in high school. Cool. Mike, my, I think did you I play played in, in college. Yeah. Yeah, where, where, where and where? Uh, I played in uh, John Jay High School oh, in sure. upstate New York. Air Raid? Yeah, the Air Raid. There you go. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, this is so, Dude, this I'm is telling so you, strange. I know this. Like, this is amazing. This yeah. is my Let's life. See. I didn't play on the club team. I played intramural at Rice, uh, but I was Rice. at Rice University. Sure. So, do you know the name? Uh, do I know the name of Rice? No, but I do <laughs> remember a... that there was one year when I was in college that I think Rice qualified for nationals. Had like oh, yeah. a random decent the year. The team name was Cloud uh, Nine. Cloud Nine. And shout out to my yes. buddy Johnny, best man at my wedding, who played for the Austin Soul two uh -huh. years ago. This is a professional team yeah. in Austin. So That's yeah, awesome. you know, I played in high school. I played in college, and I think one of the things I love about Ultimate is that. I played like football and soccer in high school as well. And like all the guys I played football with in high school, you know, maybe two of them played in college and then certainly none of them played after that. Yeah. And I got out of college and I was like, this is the, the my main thing. And oh my God, there's another level to go to. And so I played, which was great. And so yeah. I played club, which was even more competitive. And then I've done coaching and I've, um, I know the John Jay thing because I've done like high school summer camps where a bunch oh, of John Jay yeah, kids. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I I'm this is my world. I mean, I'm now like out to pasture as a as a competitive player, uh, but you know, I still I still know the world well. And I, there's a club team here in New York that I'm involved with. And yes. so. There's a follow up where we're gonna have to talk about the best ultimate frisbee names because they're all buck wild. It's bad, but buck wild actually great. Great team. Great team. Oh, that would be good. <laughs> That'd be very good. The reason why I ask is that we love Ultimate Frisbee highlights, and I always try to send them to people, and they're like, "No, no I'm not going to okay. watch this." If if you, I was to send you just like a wild, like diving Ultimate Frisbee highlight, and I also send you like a dunk highlight, which do you think would be more electric, or you would be able to say like say more about? Um, me personally, or are you just saying like to as a showcase of, of no, you, a great you, you, no, you personally, you, no, you, you personally. get a link to each. You only get to watch one. It's will I watch this dunk or this oh, score? I mean, like I'm, I mean, ultimate is my, you know, like kind of the most important <laughs> thing in my life. I'm going to watch that. I mean, I do think that it is a, a highlight reels. You're right. Like a lot of times you're like, this is amazing. And then you send it to someone that like, these are a bunch of people like where are the dogs, right? <laughs> uh, you know, there's like a couple. And so it is actually, and it's a little parlor game in the ultimate community, which is like, what highlight reel should I send to someone who's never seen the sport before? Mm -hmm. And there's like a couple that I think pass the bar where even like an ESPN, I've sent it to a couple of people mm -hmm. yeah. um, and been like, this will satisfy your like sport, you know, and, yeah. but it, it actually is 
a reminder that life has weirdly brought me to ESPN. Mm -hmm. I get to sort of watch that machine in action and just like sports highlights are hard and like to have like slick like sports product is really hard. And if like the music's a little off or the lighting's a little off or like it looks a little or there's like one second where it's not like totally electrifying, Mm -hmm. you lose an audience. Uh, And so I think, you know, Ultimate's just not big time enough where there's that that's but it's starting to change i mean absolutely so william espn the ceo of espn comes into your office and says that you are allowed to make a ultimate frisbee 30 for 30 podcast what would you make it about? okay so i i've (laughs) i've thought about this a lot yeah um we did not edit that at home that response time was that instantaneous bill Bill and i have not had this i call him bill Uh Uh, uh we've not had this conversation no, I, look, if there's anyone who's going to make a 30 for 30 <laughs> ultimate podcast or a 30 for 30 about ultimate, it's me. Good. And it's like, you know, I think a lot of people in the ultimate community know that I have the job I have and are like, okay, here we go. It's it. I'm not convinced the story's there. Like, okay. I, as, as right. biased as I am, I still don't think there's a 30 for 30. And we've done some, like, pitches and we've talked about it and, you know, um, but it's just that combination of so what, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. is not there yet. Uh-huh. Um, what does this mean? Now, I will tell you. I have a sense of when it will do that, when okay. it will reach that. And it's basically this. I'll do it very short. As people may know, uh, Ultimate is self-officiated generally. And, you know, people make their own calls. And so there's this sort of really interesting dynamic that emerges that, like, as the stakes get higher, people compromise the calls that they make because they realize that they can kind of, like, call a foul or mm-hmm. object and, you know, take advantage of the rules in that way. So... If Ultimate gets into the Olympics, which will it probably will be. Oh, if I feel Ultimate, like we've been hearing that for like yep, 10 years yep, now. But, you know, that's been a goal and I think it will eventually happen. Ultimate gets into, into the Olympics. It gets in as an unofficiated sport, which I think is probably the way it will get in because, oh. because the Olympics likes that sort yeah. of spirit. And then you have a, a gold medal match. It's like 14-14, game to 15, and someone makes a terrible call. Yeah. There you have That's your, bad. you know, 30 for 30 level yeah, of, of drama and this, you know, an, an entry point to this big question about sportsmanship and stakes and compromising and all those things. And so that's where, you know, I'm waiting for that moment and then maybe we can green light it. I love the Olympics aspect because already it's like, oh, let's just inject international politics. Yes. Right. Into exactly what <laughs> right. we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, so it's like a North Korea versus United States <laughs> final. Yes. Uh, yes yeah, and then clearly. the promotion of it in the classic What If I Told You will be like, what if I told you a self-officiating sport was corrupt? <laughs> Presented by ESPN 30 for 30, refer me. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, yeah, I'll take it under advice. TM, 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 TM. That's extremely good. God. As part of the 30 for 30 team, yes. uh, I know that this happens a lot more for the movies, but I think we're working to the point where people can equally figure out the structure of a podcast as well. And I wanted to ask you about some of the parodies of 30 for 30 uh, movies. Yeah, yeah. And have you, like, I know there's a Space Jam there's one. A Space Jam one. The, the Angels um, in the Outfield one, Angels I think? in the Outfield, yeah. but done by the same guys. Um, I actually did a an episode, a bonus episode this summer about 30 for 30 parodies mm-hmm. um, and talked to... So, so the the people who made that actually made that show American Vandal, which I yes, love. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so I talked to them about what you're driving at, which is yeah. kind of like to parody something, you have to recognize that there are conventions within it, and it is both owed to the power of those conventions and a bit of a takedown of those. We talk about that a lot, and I know the film side. You know, I think like any creative person, you you want to have 
hallmarks and you kind of want to do work that feels consistent and so forth, but you don't want to fall into ruts. Mm -hmm. And that's always a balance. And I think even on the podcast side, I, I find myself worrying that are we falling into a rut? Um, the flip side of that being, I'm always trying to remind myself that I think one of my favorite things about the film series and about the podcast is the diversity of both stories, but tones as well. Right. Mm -hmm. And I like really value that we tell stories about Trayvon Martin. And then we also do what I call romps, which is just like, this is going to be 40 minutes. And this is going to be silly and wild and full of like interesting, fun stuff to listen the to. Wrigley Field um, the Wrigley one. Field getting its lights on. The Wrigley Field one getting its lights. I think silly. the UFC one is just full of like amazing characters. Mm -hmm. It's over the top. Um, you know, that we've done like, a couple like poker, card game, casino caper things. That mixing up that tone. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think you could do definitely like a paint by numbers 30 for 30 at this point. And um, sometimes like rough cuts come in like that and you're like, well, wait a minute. Like it's got to it's got to push a little bit or this feels a little too familiar. But I think about that a lot. Yeah. Do you think that there is a movie that if you were doing to parody like those guys did for uh, Space Jam or for Angels in the Outfield, do you think there is a movie, a sports movie that is more conducive to doing a parody of the podcast? Take one of our podcasts, turn it into a movie. Take one of the movies and turn it into a 30 for 30 episode. Take a sports episode. movie that exists Take a and you specifically want to make that parody yeah. to be a podcast. I, I, feel, I, like, I, feel, like I feel like White Man I feel like White Man Can't Jump would be really good. Right, right. Because uh, you could really get into the Jeopardy side plot. Yes. That, yeah. <laughs> which well, would be a know, real good thing enough, to drill down, down on. I'm gonna, I'll talk about an idea that we have that we are considering doing. And, you know, I, I will do that because I know no one listens. And so I'm not worried about it. Okay, fellas. We spent so much time doing Ultimate Frisbee presents. You liked us. You can cut that out. No, um, no we're keeping it. No, 100% keeping it. I will say this because I think it's fun. I've been thinking about it. But, like, we've thought about doing, um, a, a, like, actual 30 for 30 about Mighty Ducks. Oh, And about okay. the fact that a movie got made and then turned into an actual franchise. That is true. And, you know, Jeez. I think there's an actual sort of straightforward doc. It's not exactly what you're describing, but there's a straightforward doc there to be done that would at times also then do the making of the movie and all the side stories, but then also like have this real life implication. And, you know, so that's one like, that's similarly that like, you know, the Toronto Raptors, like 99% Invisible did a good episode about the development of the Raptors jersey. Oh, yeah. But, like that's another one where it's like, pop culture dictated real world and like the Raptors were only yeah. called the Raptors because Jurassic Park had just come out and you get yeah. these little so I don't know there's there's something there I mean you gave really really good answers <laughs> like real answers and I'm just like what, what, what if, if what, what if, if blue chips but a podcast yeah, yeah. so I appreciate I mean, white that man can't jump. talk about like a perfect movie and yeah. it holds up uh, mm -hmm. and so I think like you know I'd be thrilled to do something that's that fun to, to listen to the only thing you get lost by that being a podcast is Wesley Snipes' hats that's are not true. in there <laughs> yeah. which would yeah. be a shame yeah. to lose audio I personally would love to see Rookie of the Year turned into something because that's mm. my favorite oh god Rookie of the Year <laughs> that is really that's a bad movie oh but it's <laughs> it, I mean I just I don't know yeah. one of one of my closest friends is a really big Cubs fan so it's got a right. special place right. there but uh, there's just so it's it is terrible but it's yeah. so good yeah. we spend a lot of time talking about bad movies on horse <laughs> yes as well I feel like I bring Mike a lot of basketball movies that are terrible and I'm like okay so no one wanted to make this movie and then Kazam <laughs> yeah that's how Kazam started that's how Airbud started oh yeah and there's lots of denial and then it's like okay fine I'll just make this movie yeah, yeah. so.
I'm 100% there for it. What do you think is the best basketball movie ever? Oh, one that I would want to rewatch a lot or one that I think is objectively oh, that's the a best? Good question. Because I would 100% rewatch Air Bud okay. uh, over and over and over again because it's one that is overwrought because it is a Disney movie. It's a Disney dog movie. And my dog, Skip, was the first movie that made me cry in a theater. And that's very similar kind of the relationship in Air sure. Bud because it's like, there's a, an abusive clown and the dog is homeless and the kid is from a single parent household. He's tearing up. I am. Yeah. Yeah. There's tears everywhere. So I would rewatch that to like analyze some of that stuff. And of course, the, the practical effects of Air Bud actually making the, it's the basket. Remarkable. I would love to rewatch that. Yeah. 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 I think you've only picked that because in the last episode, you did a whole expose about how Air Bud's actually bad at basketball. <laughs> It's, but it's, it's funny. The that... movie is good. Airbud yeah. as an entity is yeah. not actually that good at basketball. Well, that, when I talked to the guys who made the parodies, that was one of the interesting things they talked about. Was like when they were doing a thirty for thirty about Space Jam. You know, you set up rules for yourself within the parody, right. and it's that this is a real world that existed. When we do our parody, it's a, a documentary of it. It's not talking about it as a movie. We're talking about it as a real life events in right. which. Aliens came down and had to play. And so mm -hmm. we can analyze the quality of the basketball that was being played. We exactly. can analyze the sort of, you know, strategy and all those things. I think that's the best way to, to watch those movies for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My pick would be Space Jam. I mean, there's only one well, movie. Yeah. There's only one movie where they hired the Ghost Town DJs to write the theme song that's for true. it. So <laughs> you got to do what you got to do. Uh, what, are you hopeful for the Space Jam remake? I was going to ask you about this. I was going to ask you about this. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, everyone how much is Jody going to be able to say? I, would... I don't have much to say, but I think it's like. <laughs> I was oh much more on board before they changed direction. That's what really scared right. me. And then wasn't there, you probably know this, maybe you've already talked mm -hmm. about this, is, wasn't there some conspiracy theory about like Space Jam twists and turns relating to all the free agency stuff that happened? Like, yes. yeah. was it Kawhi? Yes. It was Anthony Davis. Oh, they Anthony gave Davis. him... They had him wave his trade kicker when they brought him to the Lakers. Right. But then it was very shortly afterwards announced that Anthony Davis is going to be having one of the leading roles in space. And they were like the same amount of money or something. It's, yes. Yeah. Everyone, oh, that's so good. And when it was announced, it was just like Anthony Davis doesn't like to talk. He's right. Why horrible. would he yes. be in a yeah. motion picture? This is what yeah. LeBron does, though. When Anthony Davis was on The Shop, which I love the barbershop show that LeBron does on HBO. It's yeah. fantastic. But you have all these wonderful personal oh, people that are hilarious. And then Anthony Davis is there before he's LeBron's teammate and then LeBron is just trying to toss up softball questions at AD and then he's just like yeah I like basketball yeah thanks Anthony great having you on here yeah. Ugh. yeah but hey that's LeBron he's marionetting everything it so. is it is remarkable and I, I love that conspiracy theory mm -hmm. but the, and that's part of the shame is that I'm afraid of certain people not being in the film just because they're not clutch sports clients or right, I, like right. I think Steph Curry would be phenomenal in the film I don't think LeBron likes Steph Curry so I don't think he's going to be in the film it is now the case that especially NBA players think of themselves all as producers yeah. brands. as they brands. should brands and so they will never do you know certainly Michael Jordan thought of himself as a brand but you know and I don't know the details of how the first Space Jam came around, but like that notion that like, you know how to make movies and I'm going to sort of lend myself to that project, but it's your project. Those days are over. It mm -hmm. is it is all about my brand, my ownership and so forth, which is actually an interesting thing to navigate at ESPN. And like, mm. it's been tricky a little bit sometimes. I think even five years ago, you'd go to someone to participate in something, you know, in a 30 for 30 or just like in a documentary or do an interview and it'd be like, yes, okay, this is how it works. Like I give an interview to someone and I give away, you know, some stories and mm -hmm. that's journalism and so forth. And now it's really like, well, wait a minute. Why wouldn't I own this? Like, why, why wouldn't I go make the documentary 
in two years about all this. And, you know, it actually, with the Sterling, I yeah, think I this news the is out. There, there's a Chris, yeah, Chris Paul is making his own sort of Donald Sterling documentary because he, rightly so, I mean, it's his life, his story, you know, he's earned all the money and fame that he's earned, mm-hmm. um, you know, thinks of himself as owning the story in a sense. And, you know, we had to navigate some of that stuff as we were making this. And I think it'll be more and more like the news entities will right. butt up against the principal characters who think of themselves as creators as well. Yeah, it's a question I want to ask. Did you ever start on a project and get it shut down because of someone intervening, whether it's someone involved in the story or ESPN um, or someone else? Like, have you ever I don't had know if intervening is, is exactly the right word. I mean, we've killed stories <laughs> okay. mostly because like, as I think you often have to, you know, you start reporting something on, it's just not there. Now, sometimes... It's the, it's not there means we don't have the right access, and sometimes you don't have the right access because there's other considerations going on. But I don't really – I can't say there was like a direct moment where it was like, well, so-and-so is not participating. And, you know, with the Sterling Affairs, like we worked around the fact – you know, we got wind that Chris Paul was doing this thing. We worked around that. We had a lot of conversations with his camp about participation. They decided we're not going to participate. So be it, you know, um, but there's did and, and so forth. I mean, I, you know – Maybe this is naive, but I generally think like good stories are good stories and it's not a zero sum game. And frankly, like, I mean, who am I to give Chris Paul advice? But I think him, (laughs) you know, him participating in our thing would have been a good look for him and actually probably benefited or certainly not eaten into whatever the project he has coming down the line. I think it would only just raise interest in the story. Even if it was just a little thing, because if you flip it and you tell me that Blake Griffin is making a video one, my brain says, oh, those couple little clips that Blake Griffin was on were really good. I'd be interested to hear him run his own story. So even if Chris Paul was like, yes, I'll give you one soundbite, it could be great marketing for your future documentary. But, you know, I mean, I'm... Those people are much more successful than I am, and they have uh, many more, many more zeros at the end of the uh, balance sheets that they have to look. look not at, so, they yeah. don't have the ultimate frisbee highlights That's that true. you do, That's so true. they're gonna go. So I think to to wrap it up, if there was specifically, since we are a basketball podcast, we've yes, only so. been talking about basketball. If there was a basketball story <laughs> that you were to tell in the future, or whether it's one you think could happen or is out of the league, I know Ramona has talked about doing the Malice at the Palace episode. Yeah, is there anything else up there that you would love to do? I mean, Malice in the Palace is up there. I mean, I certainly, you know, found myself watching sports now with that eye towards like, ooh, 100%. 10 years from now, like mm-hmm. I want, or five years yeah. from now, I want dibs on that. I mean, certainly there's a whole host of LeBron-related stories, Golden State-related stories. Mm-hmm. I think... I mean, I'm a Sixers fan. Okay. So, you know, the process, oh, the process would be something very I'm certainly thinking about. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those Celtics teams that won championships... I don't think we've ever really come to understand like, wait, everyone hated Ray Allen? Like, what's, go, yeah. what's that all about? So there's something yeah. there. We've dipped our toes, you know, thought about that. That would be really close uh, to the um, Fab Five. It's a very yeah. similar story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they did do something last year where they kind of reunited or no, everyone but Ray reunited. And it the was Celtics. this like interesting thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the Celtics. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, there's tons of, I mean, the NBA is as you know, a soap opera. Yeah, um, right. And we embrace that with the Sterling affairs and I think it will continue to be that way and so there will always be these like, wait, what was that relationship there? There's mm-hmm. stuff with shoe deals that I'm really fascinated by. Like Ooh, you yeah. hear about when LeBron first signed his deal with Nike, like Brian Windhurst, who's an ESPN reporter, has yeah. done some really great reporting about this about like, don't quote me on this, but it was something like, 
I think when they were first trying to sign LeBron to his shoe deal coming out of high school, there was a moment where like there was a hotel in Akron and like each floor there was like a different shoe company Whoa. had like oh, rented God. out suites and they literally like took meetings like Reebok, Nike, Adidas, Under Armour and just like in that wow. day there was like all this like subterfuge and compete. You know, so I'm like, could we do a thing that's just like inside that, that hotel and all this, you know, and then you hear about that. There's some famous story about um, someone mispronouncing st- they, Steph Curry's name or something? On a Nike PowerPoint presentation, yes. this is before Steph Curry was big, they used that. someone else's PowerPoint and didn't change some of the stuff. And then either Steph Curry's name was spelled wrong or it was some other player's name on one of the slides. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's just like the PowerPoint that lost mm. Nike, you know, Steph Curry. $50 million or whatever. At or least. at least, you know, whatever it is. <laughs> like, I love those little little moments. So, yeah. The Under Armour thing is actually, so Steph Curry then signed for Under yeah. Armour. But the whole reason why is that Under Armour was courting someone who was like way worse on the Warriors and just kept giving him free stuff. So Steph was like, Ooh, hey, where, nice. why do you keep getting all those sneakers? <laughs> that's and that's how they signed him. So that yeah. that entire thing would be wild. Well, and that, like, this is no great insight, but like, the more I feel like I, I do this kind of reporting and, and do these kinds of stories, the more you realize, like, it's those little moments. And Donald Sterling was this way. Like, that guy fought for every little moment you know um and those little personal relationships and those little kind of twists and turns that like add up you think of these stories as epic and having big themes but it often comes down to just like one enterprising agent sent a pair of sneakers to a guy he knew would be in a room with steph curry at the right time and that's the like actual turning point for sure yeah man well it's fun there's many stories to tell for sure Thanks so much for taking the time to yeah. come on horse, talk about basketball. Fun to learn that you're a Sixers fan. I feel like so many of our we guests only end up being have Sixers, Sixers fans. fans. I know it is. I mean, I, my family's from Philly. I was a Sixers fan through, you know, the spring of 2001 is still the greatest period of my my life. <laughs> you know, that was nothing gets better than that. But I think they're also clearly a team that like a lot of people have sort of glommed onto, and mm-hmm, um, for sure. But they're a fun team. They're a fun team. To root Who's on. your favorite current Sixer, and why is it Mike Scott? <laughs> <laughs> Um, who's my favorite? I mean, it's hard not to say Joel. I mean, right. it's yeah. just like very easy to like. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I mean, I really liked Covington. Um, yeah. You know, and I think like that's an interesting side of the process where it's just like they're actually were like they churned through so many people, but then mm-hmm. a couple of them stuck around and actually developed. And like, it's nice to look at him and TJ and just sort of see that side of it. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Shout out to Jakar Sampson and Henry Sims. Yeah, I know. Sure. Like <laughs> Lost to the names. process. Exactly. Oh, uh, but Jody, thanks so much for coming on. Yeah. Uh, if people want to check you out, just head on over to ESPN 30 for 30. Yeah. Podcasts. You can go to 30 for 30 podcast.com and you can find me. If you want to find me, I'm on Twitter and you know, all sorts of things. It's true. And if you want to find that ultimate Frisbee highlight, it's on our website. Oh, great. <laughs> I right. feel like I want to take you out on the ESPN sting. It's just like... Bah, 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 bah. But then you have to then. immediately go in with the... State Farm is... Yes, exactly. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Horse. Horse is hosted by Eric Silver and Mike Schubert. It is edited and mixed by Eric Silver. The social media is run by Mike Schubert. The art is by Allison Wakeman. The music is by Bettina Campamanes. And the website is by Kelly Beckman. Special thanks to our producer-level patrons. Brand Wingate, Berger, Skylar Jorgensen, Gladiator Vader, Adam Hartwick, Ross Papa, Akano, Cody Powell, Salvatore Testa, Trust the Process, Hufflepuff Hillary, Samantha Rose, Polly Burridge, I Worked with Eric's Dad, Kaylin Hates Square Dancing, Jordan Wood, and I Am Adam Silver. Thanks, Dad. Thanks, Dad. Text me. <laughs> 
You can find us on the internet at Horse Hoops on Instagram and Facebook, and you can find us at Horse underscore Hoops on Twitter. As we say every episode, it's because Horse Hoops said that women are, should stay in the kitchen and not on the basketball court. And that's why they were banned from Twitter. Yes, as 100%. everyone should be. Our website is horsehoops.com, which has all of our research and the visual stuff you did not see because this is a podcast. And yes, we do have that clip of Jody Avergan just like <laughs> laying out for a sick, sick reversal. It's really good. It's incredible. And if you want access to bonus content such as five on five exclusive stickers and more, you can head on over to patreon.com slash horsehoops with some lovely bonus content there. You know who also makes good sports content other than ESPN's 30 for 30 podcast series? I will say The Ringer because Jordan was also on this show. That's true, The Ringer counts, <laughs> but also Multitude. Right. That's us. We, we're the sports content and people do listen to our podcast. Yes, it's true. <laughs> Even though we Jody... filled out the survey and there's more than two. There were a lot of them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Multitude is spirits, join the party, Potterless, Waystation, Head, Heart, Gut, and of course, Horse. We are making podcasts about the things we love, but that does not mean we can't be critical of them. You can find us on the internet at multitude.productions. You can find us on Twitter at Multitude Shows, and you can buy a ticket for our live show on October 10th in Boston at multitude.productions slash live. And as we wrap up every episode, we're going to put our hands in the middle and say something on the count of three. And very biasly, I think we should say the title of the ultimate Frisbee 30 for 30 that I will be producing Refer Me. <laughs> So on yep, the count of three, we'll say ref for me. One, One two, two, three. Ref for me! I'm not ready for Ultimate Frisbee to be how like international politics breaks down. I'm I, not ready. See, I am ready for it. I'm not ready for it because it's going to be like Israel versus Palestine. And because if you're Jewish, you can just play for the Israeli team. I'm not ready for all of the Jewish bros who I went to high school and college with to be like part of an international incident playing against uh, the Palestinian Ultimate Frisbee team. That should be it. You also you have to be athletic to get on the Ultimate Frisbee Olympic team, but you also have to pass an AP U.S. History <laughs> and Conflict Resolution exam. That's a very good idea. So Joshua Haberman from Camp Vermont, Canada, just go take some world history stuff before you compete in the Ultimate Frisbee Olympics, please. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.